Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary in Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. Hi guys, thank you for coming back or checking us out for the first time. Either way, we're glad you are here, and I am very excited about our show this week. My guest in the ADD interview, you know him as Data from Star Trek The Next Generation. It's Mr. Brent Spiner. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family, which is a conversation we have every week. 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join us. And our superfan shout-out is for Sandra Chavez. Hello, Sandra Chavez. Hey, Sandy. 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 Or Sandra. <laughs> I like saying it as Sandra. Why? I don't know. It just sounds cool. Sandy sounds like John Travolta. That's what it was. It was the worst John Travolta ever. Yeah. I didn't Sandy. think so. It sounds like John Travolta getting kicked in the groin. <laughs> Sandra sounds like, uh, I don't know, I'm a bullfighter after the show. Do you like the ear I've given you, Sandra? <laughs> 
Those are the voices of the people I love. My beautiful wife, Alex. Hello. My pal and pod producer, Marcus Stern. Triple P. Hey, man. It's good to see you. And my lifelong friend, writer, comedian, a man who just can't let grandma go. <laughs> what, what does that mean? Phil Tag. What, what does that mean? You always bust my balls about my grandmother. She's here. It's a fact. It's a fact. Okay. When did she pass away? Uh, 1982, November 3rd. And she's here. So obviously I'm the problem. I don't get this, <laughs> this relationship. You're absolutely right, Phil. Thank you for correcting me. No problem, buddy. My, her ghost is in my apartment. We know this to be true. When, when, when Phil says we, it's him. <laughs> yes. I'm telling you, too many crazy things have happened. The pictures are moving, glasses breaking, and, and it's her. I know. Listen, I'm going to tell you how I know it's her because, and you guys can make fun of me all you want, but when I was a traveling comedian, you know, early in my career, I brought my grandmother's picture with me. It was a framed glass picture. I would put it on my nightstand. You know, and then obviously, you know, comics would come in and go, is that your girlfriend? And bust my, bust my balls about it. But um, I was so close to her. I just brought it with me and I left it at the hotel one week. Oh, and one I before you go, before you guys, I, I got to make a quick note. Phil needs psychological. <laughs> anyway, I was I freaked out when I got home. I was like, oh, my God, my grandmother's picture. And I called the hotel. They're like, yeah, we have it. We'll send it to you. Two nights later, my grandmother comes to me in a dream and breaks a wine glass. And I woke up. I was like, geez, that's weird. That day, the picture arrives and the glass is broken. What does that tell you? It tells me you have a clumsy mailman. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it tells me. Wait, no, the dream part. The dream. What, what was the dream then? The dream part is you're out of your mind. He that's came to me in a dream. You're a grown man traveling with your grandmother's picture. You think the dream is your problem? <laughs> Yes, honey. Ooh. I do have to say, it is quite a coincidence. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right, right. she's moving she's pictures. She broke this other picture on my nightstand. She could just not like the frame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Well, usually, as we have found out, mm -hmm. it's usually some sort of message, either to Phil or a message from her. See, but I think I think you're looking past the primary messages. I'm a grown man traveling with my grandmother's picture. That's the initial message you should pay attention Let's to. Let's move on from that. Let's move on from that. Okay. Stay in the present and just go with why is Phil continually being ghosted mm -hmm. by his grandmother? I'll have to look it up in the book of psychological disorders, but I'll get back to you as soon as I can. How's that? <laughs> That's so nice of you, Adam. <laughs> I'm here to help. Let me ask you this. Phil, did you ever wear grandma's clothes? <laughs> oh, my God. Can we just have a serious conversation about it? I got hauntings going on here. Oh, oh, hold on. One question. I used to travel with my grandmother's picture. She's a ghost in my apartment. Can we just have a serious <laughs> conversation about this place? <laughs> she wasn't a ghost in my apartment in 1989. Okay. It is sweet. It's sweet and creepy. No, it's not. Oh, my God. It is. It, it, you know what it is, Phil? It's creepy. Okay, dude. She was my guardian spirit. Oh, oh my God. I'm not, I'm not even going there. Let me pull it back. Go ahead. Everybody loves their Nana. Right. Okay. Wow. No. Everybody loves their Nana because that's the one you go to and your parents are all on you. And mm -hmm. your, your Nana is always like, hey, what do you need? And spoils you, all that. Mm -hmm. People have attachments to their grandparents. Mm -hmm. It's normal. Not like that. 
Thank you. Thank you. I love you. Can I can I come to your house, Alex, to hang with your grandparents? Yeah. Because I didn't have a Nana who was soft and cuddly. No. I had a Nana who put the fear of God into you 24 hours a day. Yeah, the Friday the 13th grandma? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Adam has his Nana. We talked about it before. Who's right. like did coke. Oh, oh yeah, my, my great-grandmother. My great What? Yeah, my great grandmother on my mother's side, we think was a coke addict. <laughs> think. Well, all right. She would she... never stop cooking. <laughs> <laughs> but she used to have snuff. She would take the tobacco and little pieces of snuff, and she would send my grandfather, who drove drove a fruit truck, down to the docks to get the snuff for her. And we're pretty sure there was coke in the snuff <laughs> because yeah. she was always up. She goes, and she was, and when she didn't have it, she was mean. She's. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, broken English and broken wooden spoons because she would take it out on us. Where's your grandfather? Boom. <laughs> oh my goodness, Adam. Well, I, it was normal back then, right? They had it in Coca-Cola. It they wasn't had it normal in... then. When your grandmother comes out and says, say hello to my little friend. <laughs> she did not. <laughs> All right, you know what we have to do? So you still have the ghost. Grandma's still in the bookcase, yes? I have ironclad proof now because I sent Ooh. it to Alex last night. Orbs. I got the orbs. I have yeah. spirit orbs in my apartment. You know, you know what I did? Because you know I love ghost adventures. I right? do. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with ghost adventures. Mm-hmm. And so what I did, I got the new iPhone 11, and it's got the infrared camera, so I turned all the lights off, and I recorded the bookcase in infrared with the infrared lens. Mm-hmm. And oh, my God, dude. I mean, Alex will back me up on this. There are at least yeah. seven ghost orbs. Okay. It was Orby. Yeah, which, it was very. It, it was, was Orby. Yeah, it, it was, was an Orby kind of night. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. Go, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a lens Just, cleaner, and I'm pretty sure the orbs are gonna go away right away. Just so you know, what? he made me uh, want to download because they have on your app store mm-hmm. a ghost camera filter. Right. How much? It was free, mm-hmm. but you have yeah, to like yeah, sit through the ads. Yeah. Okay. But it freaked me out. It freaked you out. The orbs or the or the or the app. The app. <laughs> the app freaked you out. Yeah. Why? Because it it showed up blobs of energy around you. Okay, you're just as bad as him. They're making this. <laughs> I'm, I didn't. No, make she's up the right, app. man. It was, it was creepy, so I had to delete it okay. and turn off my phone. Okay. All right. Delete it. You feel better now? Yeah. Good, because the last thing I need is you running around this house. You know, my grandma's not a coked out spirit. No, no, you no. just won't let her rest because you're psychologically you're scarred from whatever whatever incident happened. What? Oh, my yeah. goodness, Adam. Can you imagine if your grandmother was a ghost to you? Oh, God, that grandmother, my great-grandmother? Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I, 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 I was scared of her when she was alive. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't believe in that anyway, man. I'm telling you, there's orbs in my bookcase. They come, you can see, and it's not dust. So some people will, like, try to debunk it and go, no, no, they're particles yeah, most, of dust. No, 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 no. Yeah. They're, it's, they're, they're real orbs because you can see them hovering. You can see the way they move, and dust doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Dust doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, 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 calm down. It's time for the blue pill. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for the blue, blue pill. pill. <laughs> so, all right. So, pill. so, so, grandma's still haunting you. I wouldn't use the word haunting. She's watching over me. <laughs> just, she's guiding me throughout my life, my journey. <laughs> she's like this. Grow up. <laughs> Let me go. No, see, that's what your grandmother would do. Judge you. What? Your grandmother would judge you. My wouldn't grandmother would judge me. She would shake me down for cash to get more snuff. <laughs> <laughs> you got to see you, know, you kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know what we need to do? I know what we need to do. We need to call M 
and we need to get M to talk to Phil about oh, the oil. Yeah. I concur. Poor M. <laughs> Poor M. M. Sorry, M. 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 For those of you just joining us or not familiar with it, uh, M. Schultz is part of a uh, one of my favorite podcasts called And That's Why We Drink. It's a paranormal and true crime podcast uh, with M. Schultz and Christine Schieffer. Uh, M. is the paranormal investigative part of the podcast. Christine Schieffer does the true crime stuff. Has grandma ever killed anybody? Did your grandma ever take anybody no. out? No. Mine? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. She grew up during the Depression. Maybe. Probably stabbed the guy for bread. Yeah, I don't know. Probably. probably stabbed the guy for bread, and this is the woman looking out for you. <laughs> I'll call M. I'll get him to come in, and maybe he can make sense of this for me, since you, you're very comfortable with Grandma observing you. Mm-hmm. She's so not freaking me out. I'm good with it. He's, okay, fine. So you're comfortable with, with a peeping grandmother. I know. <laughs> but, but it came out. Phil's grandmother's a lot like Data. You're observing human life, because Data's in synthetic life form, observing human life. So... It does kind of tie in with data. Maybe we can, may, Phil, pay attention. Maybe there's some information that can help you in this interview. Okay. Make it so. All right. <laughs> you guys listen to this, and we'll see you on the other side. Borderline personality disorder. How did this happen? I was a traveling comedian. I brought my grandmother's picture with me. I would put it on my nightstand. That's a slam dunk. You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I got to lay down. Need to get out of the house? I know I do. So I'm headed back out onto the road to do stand-up. This weekend, October 22nd through the 24th, I will be at Comics at the Mohican Sun Casino in Uncasville, Connecticut. Grab your aunt, 
Grab your uncus and come see me. October 30th, I'll be at Soul Joel's Amphitheater in Royers Ford, Pennsylvania. And November 5th through the 7th, I'll be at Helium in Indianapolis. If you can make any of these shows, please come up afterwards. I want to thank you for all the love and support you've shown me and this podcast. I'll be six feet away wearing a mask, but you will have my deepest appreciation. All right. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is an actor and a song and dance man. My Star Trek Next Generation fans know him as Lieutenant Commander Data. I was first introduced to him when he portrayed Hollywood costume designer Brentwood Carter. His latest project is Penny Dreadful's City of Angels on Showtime. He is left-handed. We share the same birthday, and I am very grateful he has made time for us. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the old yellow eyes himself, Brent Spiner. Well, thank you, Adam. So glad to be here. And we share the same birthday, my friend. Yeah, how about that? Another groundhog. Another ground, And that's why when I put this interview together, first of all, thank you so much for being here. But when I put this interview together, I'm like, Man, every time he has an interview request, it must be like Groundhog's Day for him because you have to talk about Star Trek. Well, it's true. Uh, I am asked about it a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. Sure. Uh, I, I, I would be really surprised to do an interview and nobody ever brought it up. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't think that's likely to happen. I'm not, I'll be honest with you, I'm not, I'm not a Trekkie, but I am Trekkie adjacent. Uh, what would that be? Well, I was a fan of the original series when it came out. There's a couple other people on the show. My friend Phil, who's a hardcore Trekkie. My friend Mark is a hardcore Trekkie. And my wife is a uh, Star Wars. So there's some conflict going on. Right. Well, I mean, they should duke it out. <laughs> <laughs> Phasers and lightsabers. Let's settle this once and for all. Exactly. Well, to be honest... You know, I, I haven't seen a lot of either of them, to mm-hmm. be honest. You know, the future is just not my thing. I mean, it, it is my thing, right. but it's not what interests me particularly. I'm much more uh, interested in the past than I am in the future. Well, for those people who don't know, let's, let's talk about data because uh, the hardcore fans I do have want to hear a little bit about it. Um, I'm da- not talking about it. All right. I'm sorry I brought it up. Please. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Date, of course, is from Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, and you are a, uh, or the character is a synthetic life form. Correct. Do we know? As am I, by the way. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm part polyester on my mother's side. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought there was a little sheen on you. See that? And polyester, yeah. of course, means more than one ester. That's, that's true. Many esters. <laughs> and you were pretty much the successor to Spock. I mean, in the sense that the character offers an outsider's view of humanity. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, that's good enough. I mean, I, I think uh, I'd be thrilled to think I was a predecessor of, of Spock. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they were obviously they were different in uh, in serious ways. Like Spock was actually part human, mm-hmm. and uh, Data was no part human. And uh, but I think their their quest, sort of, to understand. Maybe uh, maybe Spock wasn't quite as interested mm. uh, in humanity as Data was, but I mean, in knowing about it, Spock kind of had humanity already figured out. Mm. Uh, Data really didn't get it at all, and and that was the biggest difference between the two of them. I think the not understanding led to a lot of humor, yeah, and unintended wisdom, mm-hmm. which I attribute to the writing. Oh, the writing was fantastic. Yeah. You know, uh, we had a director 
I think around the third episode of the show, who said, if this show runs seven years, you are going to want to kill yourself. Because, <laughs> uh, you, how can you play no emotion for seven years? I mean, that's what acting is. Yeah. And I said, gee, I, I don't think it's going to go like that. I really don't. I, I had a sense that they were going to, uh, after the first episode, I had a sense they were going to pick up on uh, all of the possibilities of the exploration of humanity and mm. uh, the potential comedy and drama and pathos involved in that. Because you did go for seven years and four movies. So you, a, a total of like 15 years. Yeah, something. I mean, overall, yeah. I think, you know, we did take breaks between the movies, but it sort of spanned 15 years. Actually, yeah, yeah, I'd say at least 15 years. So out of the seven years, uh, 178 episodes, do you know how many you were not in? I think one, maybe two. Let's go to the big board. You are correct. You weren't in one of them. There we are. Yes. And I'm not sure why. I mean, it was a dismal episode. (laughs) (laughs) You would think by now they would have just dropped me into it. No, honestly, I don't know which episode it was, but I do remember not being in one. Yeah, but that that longevity and being known to people that are aware of you know you from that. But I mean, you're, you, yeah, you've been a soldier for for years. I mean, yeah. doing all kinds of other stuff. You know, I never uh, set out to be a, a, a sci-fi being right. a big part of my career. That was just not on my plate, and uh, and it just happened. And um, you know, I kind of went with it, and everything turned out okay. But uh, I, I never saw myself doing that. If you had the choice and you knew, would you choose data? Well, how much do I know? Do I know that if I didn't do it, that everything would have been really good otherwise? Okay, you don't know that, but you do know you'll be known. You're an actor. You want to do different things. You do know you'll be known for one role. The only reason I ask is Leonard Nimoy wrote a book called I'm Not Spock. Right. I think the original title was I'm Not Fucking Spock. And then the the publishers went, hey, Leonard, you know. Right. And then he later wrote a second book called I Am Spock. Yeah. You know, so he kind of came to grips with it. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what the second book was about, I think. And and um, I, I, I'm writing a book actually called uh, I Am Not Spock Either. <laughs> but, uh, it's the eyes, uh, not the ears. <laughs> exactly. But uh, uh, what I what I have. You know what? When I was I was 38 mm-hmm. uh, when I started doing Star Trek, very first season, I'm 38 years old. So I wasn't really a kid. Right. Uh, when I began, I got my equity card and my SAG card when I was 19. So I had been to New York. I had done some, a lot of theater and a few uh, films and things like that and television. But nothing really stuck big. I mean, I wasn't really, you know, uh, a household name. And uh, not that I am now, but uh, I certainly wasn't then. And um, so if you had said to me at the time, if you'd said it to me at 28, I would have said, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, at 35, I may have said, I don't want to do it. At 38, I thought, gee, they're doing my high school uh, reunion this year, and I don't really have anything to lord over those people. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think maybe I'd better do this. Well, it's it's. You know, you're known for one thing. I mean, I, I I've gone from project to project to project. So I think I think my question is, do you think it's better to be, oh my God, it's data, or you're in a restaurant? Where do I know you from? Because that's what happens to me. I, well, I had a woman go, where do I yeah. know you from? And I would say, ah, rescue me, nurse Jack. No, that's not it. Ah, okay, where have you been? 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think it's, I mean, it's certainly a double-edged sword to be known for one character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I hope, I mean, I think primarily I'm known for that character, certainly. Right. Uh, I've got a fairly decent body of work besides Data, even since I played Data, uh, maybe even more since I played Data than before. Uh, so if that's what people know me as, as that's fine. And yeah. if people think I know you, were you the, the doctor in Independence Day? I go, yeah, sure, that's fine. Yeah. Whatever. You know, the deal was from the very beginning, I guess, uh, the need to be known is, is yeah. a lot of what motivates someone to become an actor. Yeah. Oh, and it's funny because there's that resistance. Did you ever experience resistance to it? From my parents or you mean? No, no, no. From, from yourself. Like it's, did you fear resistance? Like, oh God, is this all, you know, is this what I'm going to be known as? Is this, was there a fear? You know what? I remember thinking, uh, is this going to ruin my career? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And I called my friend Danny Stern when I got off of the part mm-hmm. and, uh, I said, Danny, do you think this is going to ruin my career? And he says, no, because I think you'll get more jobs because of it than you might have gotten without it. And that could be true. Yeah, you certainly do. When you're when you're you it does bring opportunity to you. And and the reason I asked was because there was a great documentary that uh, William Shatner did called The Captains. Did you happen to see it? Yeah, it was him, when him and Patrick Stewart were sitting there. You know, he's like, you know, I was a Shakespearean actor. You know, he's just, you know, yeah, and exactly. and then uh, and then I think Shatner said, you know, yeah, at some point I just went, fuck it, I'm Kirk. And he went, you know, fuck it, I'm Picard. And that's, yeah. you know, finally, it, it, what's the difference? Yeah, yeah what's the difference? It, it, it's been a good life and I've gotten to do so much acting. Yeah. The result, I mean, we, you know, and, um, and, and it's Star Trek. You know, it's not just garbage. It's uh, it's actually the great American epic. Yeah. So, you know, all in all, I feel good about it. And I feel better about it every time somebody else comes into it. You know, some some actor I, I admire or, or uh, you know, somebody spins off and does something else great. Then, um, then yeah. I'm going to be part of it. I, and you have, uh, I my instinct was telling me that, that there's a great deal of similarity in what something you said that resonated with me. My instinct was uh, was, was correct. Uh, you said in an interview, what is memorable in show business is who you meet and get to work with. Yeah. Isn't it? How much fucking fun is it? You did a movie with Walter Matthau, yeah. Jack Lemmon, Out to Sea. Yeah. Uh, uh, that was by far, I mean, that's the one I'll be talking about at the old folks' home. <laughs> Um, you know, did you know I was in uh, with Matao? You know? <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, that was just that. That really is the deal. I mean, I think we're all fans. Is, yeah. is basically what I'm trying to say. And that um, you know, to meet and work with some of the people that I grew up idolizing. I mean, Jack Lemmon when I was a kid was like there was nobody bigger than Jack Lemmon. He was the best there was. And and Donald O'Connor was in that movie. Mm-hmm. I mean. How many times have I seen Singing in the Rain or Francis the Talking Mule or, you know, any of the movies he did with Debbie Reynolds? You know, it was like uh, it was heaven every day to work with those guys. And, and Walter and I became really good friends. And uh, uh, Jack, it was just so wonderful. To, they were all great to me. And it was it was a heavenly experience. And I thank Martha Coolidge for that because she directed it and cast me in it. 
Well, I knew you from a character you played, Hollywood costume designer Brentwood Carter, from a show called What's Alan Watching, which was produced by Eddie Murphy. It was on CBS. It was a special. And I, you first caught my attention because I was in an improv uh, troupe with uh, Rob Bartlett, mm-hmm. who was on that show. So we all came into the, the comedy club to watch this. And you came wow. on. There. And the reason I, I identify with you is we had the same hair. <laughs> Still? Still. Uh, clearly. Yes. Well, you know, uh, that was an interesting project. That was directed by uh, my oldest friend, actually, uh, Tommy Shlami, who uh, he's now president of the Directors Guild and a you know celebrated director. Uh, has done some fantastic work. And mm-hmm. uh, Anyway, I was shooting Next Generation, uh, and they were shooting on the next soundstage mm-hmm. on the lot. And uh, we were getting towards the end of the day and Tommy came to my trailer and he said, what time do you finish? And I said, uh, I'm finishing about 20 minutes. It takes me, you know, an hour or so to get out of makeup. He said, okay, get out of makeup and then come over to our makeup trailer and get into makeup because you need to do something for me. Cause Eddie was supposed to, Eddie Murphy was supposed to play that part mm-hmm. and he didn't show up that day <laughs> and they had everything ready to go. And uh, so Tommy said, come in and, uh, and do it. Well, it, it, it turned out to be one of those magical things that, that happened every now and then where the first time through, uh, I was interviewing somebody, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, the first time through, stick to the script, because they handed me the script and said, you know, learn this as fast as you can. Uh, and I was like, yeah, okay. So I did that. I got through it on the first take pretty well, not perfectly, but pretty well. And, um, I, I, but I had to wing some stuff because mm-hmm. I got lost. And so I was just ad-libbing stuff. And then uh, Tommy came up and he said, try it one more time and try not to ad-lib any, just do the, the script if you can. And I did that. And then he came up a third time and he says, this time, don't do the script at all. Just make it up as you're going along. Do the ad-libs and nothing else. And so I did, and uh, it went like gangbusters. There happened to be a writer from TV Guide there who wrote a whole piece about being there and seeing it. And I thought, man, this is gonna be fantastic for me. And then uh, I think Eddie saw it and uh, removed it from the the final product. (laughs) So I wasn't actually in it at the end, I don't think. Well, you were were in enough of it, because I remember remember seeing you. They may have cut to me occasionally, but my- the body of it was was missing. Well, that stuff, even like in Independence Day, I mean, do you know, though you have those lines in Independence Day, which was on our set. Uh, I was on a show called Top Gear. Um, and it's a, uh, it's a British show. We were the American version. And every once in a while, when something was go bad, our line was like, or as we like to call it, the freak show. <laughs> and that's you. That was me. Yeah. That was- well, I'm glad I could write for your show. Yes, it's but like we used, we used to do we used to do tra- I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I didn't actually write that line. That was uh, written by uh, Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich who wrote that script. Yeah, but your your delivery of it is what everybody remembers, and and those characters everybody uh, remembers. You know, the portrayal of Data, the fact that you guys get to deliver that much joy and identity to people. I was doing my research on you, Brent, and I was looking at the uh, clips from Comic Con, and it's like it's. I had uh, Anthony Edwards on, and I told him this about um, Revenge of the Nerds. I said, you gave people an identity to choose rather than having nerd be a label branded on them by others. Wow. 
And you guys, if someone is a hardcore Trekkie and they go there, they are all in their element to rejoice in the fact that that you've given that you've given these people an identity. And when you walk on stage, it's I can I can feel it through the through the damn computer. I'm like, that's how does that feel knowing you can deliver that much joy to people? Well, well it, it, it's amazing because it, it comes back to us as, mm-hmm. as you were just saying. I mean, we walk out on a stage, we feel it. It's mm-hmm. like a wall of love coming towards us, you know. And, uh, you know, people say, well, like, you know, if you do a, a Comic-Con or a convention or something like that somewhere else, they go, that must be weird walking out on stage. Well, really, no, it's just uh, really satisfying because uh, you see that you've affected or at least been part of something that's affected people in, in such a positive way. And they're they're feeding it right back to you. Yeah. And it seems, from what I observed, it seems like it's a pretty happy house. I mean, you guys seem to have genuine affection for each other. Oh, totally. We're we're still the guys and 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 women on Next Generation were are among my best friends. I mean, we're still all of us close, really close to a person. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 nice to see um, to see that I've been very fortunate to be in those situations as well. So I know how. How close you and you have to be. I mean, you're doing. Yeah. You're all soundstage, man. You're like 16 hours a day. Your locations are what a desert. You know, you can't. Right. I mean, when we were uh, we were on the soundstage 16 hours a day mm-hmm. with no windows. Uh, I remember Patrick saying that he it, it, he found himself laughing more than he's ever laughed on any other project, and he can't imagine ever laughing that hard again uh, because we had to really amuse each other all day long and yeah. and that became uh you know next to knowing my lines and playing the character the most important thing for me was to get laughs out of my castmates yeah that and i really enjoy watching you make patrick laugh because it, it he's he's first of all he's a knight yes he is anytime you can make a knight laugh that's a good day hard you know it's really hard uh, uh i'm trying i know it was hard to make olivier yeah, well, <laughs> and Galahad. Yeah, Galahad never, never. Yeah. Yes, yeah. stoic son of a bitch. That Galahad. Uh, is that is making him let my my wife uh, made Ben Kingsley laugh. Oh my goodness! Wow, that's you know I think I think you can make him laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, I I don't know if Patrick ever made him laugh, right, uh, or vice versa. But um, Jonathan Frakes directed uh, Sir Ben mm-hmm. in. Uh, in a feature film. Oh yeah. And, yeah. And uh I think he he clearly made Ben laugh many many times. That's a great laugh to get. My wife was uh she was a server uh, at a restaurant and uh, Kingsley yeah. came in and ordered breakfast and she took mm-hmm. his order. Okay, fine. And without thinking she just turned around and said, "Gandhi wants pancakes." <laughs> 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 he laughed, but what he wanted to do was throw his utensils. <laughs> yes, and then and then march to the water to get salt. Fuck the British. <laughs> yeah, that that seems like a good laugh to get, and you do a great uh, impersonation of of Patrick, and he seems to have a great sense of humor about it. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> he, he um, uh, I don't think he loves it. <laughs> I don't think he loves it. He's never really encouraged me to do it. He, do me. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't think he particularly loves it, but he tolerates it. You know, well, because- it, he laughs long enough on the on the videos I saw to go, ah, he, he's he's enjoying that. Yeah, he was pretending to. 
Yeah. But uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he, as I say, he's just uh, tolerant because because we're so close. Yeah. So your new project, Petting Dreadful, City of Angels is on Showtime. I have a hello from your castmate, uh, Nathan Lane. Uh, Nathan. Yeah. What a great guy, huh? We've been trading emails. I told him I was speaking to you and uh, very nice things and sends a hello your way. Well, then let me just say one of the finest human beings ever to be born on this planet you think, is it possible he'll see this? I'll show it to him. Yeah, I mean, one of the finest human beings ever to be born on. Did I say talent? Yeah. You know what? Seriously, though, Nathan, uh, I mean, this, it's a, you know, John Logan wrote this piece. Mm-hmm. And John is a brilliant writer. He's a genius. And he's one of the great screenwriters of, of our time. And um, Nathan has this delicious part to play. And he just knocks it out of the park he's he's fantastic in this part and i think it's a revelation really i think so many things are gonna change for him because of it because he's not that he hasn't always been brilliant Mm -hmm. but uh but we know nathan mainly is a a great musical comedy star and he gives just a a sensational performance in this in this piece and he's also a heck of a great guy to hang around for those of you guys don't know about Penny Dreadful City of Angels, it is a it's a period piece. Uh, it takes place in Los Angeles right before World War II. Yeah, uh, and your character is Vanderhoff. I'm the chief of police of yeah. uh, Boyle Heights, LA, and um, it, it's ironic, you know, that I'm playing this. I, I used to say to my my agent and my manager, "Don't send me up for military characters or mm-hmm. police right. because." I will not be believable in those parts. I mean, I cannot imagine myself into those characters. And so uh, then John came along and he said, hey, uh, would you want to play uh, Captain Vanderhoff, the chief of police, Boyle Heights? And I thought, I I don't know that I'll really be believable doing it, but uh, I want to do it because because you wrote it and because there's such fine talent involved with it. Mm. And so... It's that thing who you get to work with. I got to work with Nathan. I got to work with so many terrific people on the show. And, um, and I got to work with John. And so, uh, and so I did it. And, uh, and I found out that under the right circumstances, uh, I could probably play uh, military or police. Yeah, I, I, saw, I saw you play a crime boss. On the blacklist. Yeah. I, I, a crime guy. And I did a series called uh, Outcast, where mm-hmm. I, I played sort of the devil, actually. And uh, it was a wonderful series. So, uh, Robert Kirkman, who does uh, uh, Walking Dead, basically, it was based on one of his comics. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, it was on Cinemax, and so it didn't last very long. But Neither did it Cinemax. Was a really good show. But it was one of those things, was anytime I feel uh, that I'm not really right for a part uh it's probably a good idea to do it yeah yeah to be if, if you have the opportunity to be pushed to do it right exactly the people that are around you like i have adults in my life because who are we kidding brent uh, this is it exactly yeah so i've been pushed my wife uh will push me to take parts i don't think i'm right for and right. i'm very grateful at the end it's a struggle at the beginning but i'm very grateful at the end because there's a perspective where people outside can see you're, you're in it. So people, yeah. when the outside see it and just to get back to data, data mm-hmm. was, was on the outside seeing people have thoughts and emotions. Right. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, that 
I mean, that's what my, my agent and manager and, you know, people around me generally will push me to audition for something or to go in on something that I just, it doesn't speak to me. I just don't see, I, I can't find my way into it. And, uh, and generally, uh, in those cases, I don't go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, and that may be a mistake. I may have, uh, uh, I'm sure I, almost anything I've ever done, I've turned down uh, before I've agreed to do it, finally. And in most cases, everything's turned out okay, uh, for the most part, and uh, probably should have done a lot more that I was just afraid to do. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you just don't want to be bad. Do you turn it down out of fear? Yeah, I think so. Because, uh uh, fear of, of being bad. Uh, I mean, what is it? Uh, Clint Eastwood said, man's got to know his limitations. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I don't know if we actually do know our limitations. I think sometimes we limit ourselves and our limitations are way out there. But I had a great teacher uh, in high school and in college um, who was sort of a mentor to me and a lot of uh, talented people that you've heard of. Uh, and uh, his name was Cecil Pickett. And he used to, his, his uh, theory of casting was just ability coupled with suitability. Mm-hmm. And then you should do the part, you know? Well, it's the suitability thing that I think got in my way more often than not, but, but ability too. You know, I thought, nah, I'm not good enough to do that. Or, you know. Does that voice pop up more or less now at this point in your career? Oh, less. Yeah, good. Uh, although... You see, here's the reason why, is that the spectrum of parts I could do is mm-hmm. so much smaller now than it was when I was younger. Mm. You know, it's what happens, by the way. Uh, get ready for that. Because um, <laughs> you can't really play. Um, although I just read uh, Ian McKellen's going to play Hamlet. Ian's 81, I think. And he's going to play Hamlet. Uh, he did it once before, like many years ago, like mm-hmm. in the 80s. And um, Gertrude is his mother. Is she mm-hmm. going to be like um, 100? That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, I think the sword fights are going to be a lot slower. See, exactly. But see, I would not limit myself to playing a Gertrude now mm-hmm. the you... way I used to. I, I think, well, you know, maybe I could do it. Listen, if I can be polyester, you can be Gertrude. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I cannot thank you enough for, for spending some time with us. And, and the one final thing I want to ask you is just having this ride you've had and having the exposure. And if you could go back to, to, to an actor starting, if you could talk to you when you first started, what's the one thing you would tell you to do differently or not to be afraid of in the moment? Well, I think what I would tell myself based on what I... I really wanted to do as opposed to what I wound up doing, which I'm not complaining, but it's not exactly what I had in mind, but it turned out fine. Uh, I would tell myself uh, just uh, write a good 20 minutes and start doing stand up because then you might wind up doing the jobs we wanted to do. Because in my day, we went to New York and went to Strasbourg and became actors Mm -hmm. hopes of doing what, people who did stand-up actually wound up doing, I think, for the most part. Wow, I went the other way. I started doing stand-up, and then I got my first gig uh, on a sitcom, and I was like, I like this, and this, I got to learn this. Brent, I didn't know anything. They went, camera left, and I went, where'd it go? I had no clue, you know. 
what to well, do. Well, that's the point. Perfect example. Mm -hmm. Guy does stand-up, he winds up in sitcom. I wanted to be in sitcoms, and uh, I went to acting school. Mm. And uh, I was, you know, maybe taken too seriously or something. I don't know. Have you done stand-up? Uh, no, I've never done stand-up. I've done, I have a show that I do mm -hmm. that, uh, that I sing, but I tell stories as well and, and, and uh, pray for laughs. <laughs> Yeah. Well, if you ever want to do stand-up, you give me a call. I'll take you down to the club, and we'll have some laughs. Sounds good. Sounds good. Let me write 20 minutes. Just write five. We'll go from there. Trust me. Okay. <laughs> I cannot thank you enough, my friend. The new series is called Penny Dreadful, City of Angels. It is on Showtime. It is an all-star cast. I thank you so much for spending time with us. Best to you and your family. Thanks so much, Adam. Same to you. Cool. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The Adam Farrar Podcast is brought to you by CruiseIntoWellness.com. Now, let's say you are a synthetic life form trying to figure out human behavior, and it's causing you some anxiety. Everybody's got something. So why don't you do what I do? Take one of the gummies they have at Cruise Into Wellness. They also have edibles, tinctures, pain creams, bath products, pet products, and it's all 100% natural. And I know, you're under a lot of pressure, so I tell you what, 20% off. 20% off with the coupon code ADAM at anything they have at cruiseintowellness.com. Go. Feel better. Your guidance is much valued. Hi, I'm Brent Spiner, and that was 30 minutes. I'll never get back. That was a lot of fun for me. Yeah, it was. And I love the fact that you told him that I made Ben Kingsley laugh. Oh, yeah. Gandhi <laughs> wants pancakes. I'm telling everybody. That's a great line. And, you know, thinking, you know, he's probably right. What? He probably wanted to throw his utensils at me, but I was just cute. You know, when you're cute, you get away with a lot. You're telling me. <laughs> I've always relied on the kindness of strangers. <laughs> it's true. Oh, my. Yeah, I, you know, it was cool. I just, you know, I'm a huge Trekkie. So just having him on, I was so excited. I'm such a big fan of his. So it was just so cool to, to hear him. I was, I'm like a little boy. Yeah. And wasn't it cool that, 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 that he was cool, you know, because that could have gone either way. Well, and Phil, I know you're as big, if not a bigger Trek fan as me, uh, or as I am, and I, I was just thrilled to hear him. And the, one of the things about Star Trek that I thought was just groundbreaking by Gene Roddenberry mm -hmm. was the guy that created it all. It's It showed us what society and what civilization should be. It was reflecting our own society. You know, yeah. it's this wonderful vision of there's no borders, there's no money, like we're all together pulling in the same direction to like learn and grow. And just to have that vision 50 years ago, which is brilliant. Yeah. I don't know if I completely agree with you, Mark, because it seems... <laughs> We're all going to die. No, it seems like... <laughs> and I'll like... be with my grandma. <laughs> I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but it seemed like, okay, there was no borders on Earth, but there was borders when they went to other planets because they're always being attacked by other entities. Mm -hmm. That's true. So but what like... were they trying to do? They're trying to bring peace and order to the entire universe, and they're exploring it, and they got a good mission. So like on Earth, we had our act together, but now we're just trying to spread that good vibe to everybody in the universe. Yeah, and by yeah. the way, it's the United Federation of Planets. 
That's right. Okay. And it was lizard people. <laughs> well, yeah, there were some lizard people. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> and green women. <laughs> Look at you, you judging. You guys are funny. <laughs> that, was a, that was, excuse me, that was a Gorn, by the way. That was a Gorn. Okay. <laughs> the, the only... Uh, really great memory I have of Star Trek is the little fuzzy things that grew when you got them. Oh, the Tribbles. Yeah. Tribbles from the Trouble with Tribbles episode. Really? Oh, yeah. How are you still single? I don't. <laughs> I... <laughs> yeah, Phil. Yeah, when he said he had to find a way to have no emotions for seven years, I was like, please tell me how you do that. <laughs> I, I would love to get there because I'm a, you know, I'm a wreck. I'm a mess. You yeah. know, how, how do you, you know, but, but he... I'm going to tell you my, I'll tell you my number one favorite data moment mm-hmm. in that whole show yeah. was the sneeze episode. Someone had sneezed and he was like, excuse me, what was that sound? You know, <laughs> and he didn't know what it was. And then later in the episode, he's alone in his quarters going, ah, chew. Chew. <laughs> <laughs> Because he wanted to be human so bad, you know? That's yeah. great. Yeah, such an endearing character, man. I, I love the fact that he played the humanness of his character. Yeah. Yeah, and that was great because the director said, the director said, listen, you don't play any emotion. You're going to hate this if this thing goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he played the non-human perfectly. Yeah, and, and the thing about about what he said that I thought was really interesting is like, you know, listen, I'm known for sci-fi, but I really don't look into the future. It doesn't really hold my interest. I, I, I more I'm, I like to look back into the past. That That's what captures yes. my imagination. And you know what? I wish he would have answered because I would be fascinated <clears throat> to where he would like to go in the past mm-hmm. or what his favorite moments in the past. Because, you know, I am like that, too. Really? I mean, my favorite movie genre besides Die Hard series. Right. Is time travel. You like time travel. But not necessarily going forward, right. going back. Um, so you would go back. I have fantasies about going back in time. Okay. Where, where would you go? What, what's your favorite well, the, period of time? For sure, I'd like to go to like the French um, kingdoms. Okay. I'd also like to go, you know, I guess bonding with your mom watching Outlander. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, is there a Scottish <laughs> Highlander involved in this trip yes, back in there time? Mi- there might be. There might be. <laughs> you go to Fran- I, I, I would recommend if you are going to go back to France, stay away from like 1939, 1940. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, I'd go to the kingdoms, you know, during uh, Marie Antoinette before the beheading. So I think that's good. Because after, after there's not going to be a lot of chatting after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a but tough room. Of course, I'm romanticizing it. Mm-hmm. I know that because there's no plumbing, right? Yeah, honey, I, I, I want you to go. I want you to be happy. I want you to see all the gowns and all the, all the beauty and the gorgeousness of the French past. But, you know, you got to realize no plumbing, you know. Bonjour, shit in a pot. That's going to be a little difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't worked out all the kinks. Okay. Yeah. But that, you know what? Now I got to go with you because I'm not letting you wander through history by yourself. Oh, that'll be fun, Adam. Let's do it. It's not going to be fun for me. I don't speak the language. I, it's going to be, I have no patience. <laughs> I'll slip our phones, our Google searches. Yeah, and... I just, you know, me and the French don't get along to, you know, mm, I smell righteous indignation and ass crack. I don't need that. <laughs> all right. But but point point is, you, you, you'd go back. I have a fascination about it, yes. Okay, good. Mark, would you go into the future or the past? I would go into the past. Okay. I, I love history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I would want to make a brief stop in Flushing Meadow in 1986 and tell John McNamara to take uh, take Bill Buckner out of the game. Okay. And then <laughs> I would go all the way back to ancient Rome because I love ancient Rome. I'd go back and hang out with Caesar and Mark Anthony and those guys. Okay. So you want to wear a dress and get into a bath with other men? It's not a dress. It's a sheet. It's a very different thing. Okay. <laughs> It's a tunic. I got it. Phil, I know you want to go back and, and maybe take grandma to the prom. <laughs> oh, Adam. 
I, w- I tell you exactly where I'd go back. This is a no brainer for me. I go would ahead. go to 2000. <clears throat> oh, okay, good. Tell me why. Because that is the year you started fucking with me. <laughs> I would go back to 2000 and I would, I, you know, I would nip it in the bud. I would nip it in the bud then and I would prevent it from happening in the future. That's exactly what I would do. No, no, no. I know there's not a virus on my computer. It's you. I know what you're doing, Ferrara, and you're not going to get away with it. <laughs> okay. That's exactly I would, where I would go. I, I would go to the past, too. First, I would go. I want to go back to uh, 1965 in London. Mm. I want to see. I want to see London explode. I want to see that that burgeoning of life, and I want to see the Beatles. I want to see swinging London. I want to be there when all that happened. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, I want to see all that, and then then I would. I wouldn't come back right away. I'd stop around. What was it like? A late seventies, early early eighties, and I and I would buy Apple stock. So you have a time machine. What? <laughs> you apparently have a time machine. I got to get some cash in this life. If I got to go back to do it, that's what I got to do. Okay. Goodness. And he's very settled in the role he plays in other people's lives. I went on the internet and I looked at all the uh, the Comic-Con videos of, of the whole cast talking to people. Mm-hmm. They go nuts. They yeah. go, I mean, the, the ovation they get when yeah. they come out, it's just, you could feel it right through the computer. I'm like, oh my God. It means something to people. I was just going to say, it's. I just love the community they built, and and I think I said this to you the other day, Adam. That I feel like Next Generation helped build like what Comic Con is, like that that resurgence of Star Trek led into what I think Comic Con is today. So like, it's a huge thing that those guys did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a big celebration of the things that people hold dear. Like I get it with cars, you know. I like. You, I even got it when I was a kid. When I was a kid, if you want to see all the guys in the neighborhood come out, just Park your car on the street, lift up the hood, start looking down. Bunch of guys are just going to come over. You all right? What's the matter? Look at that. Could be this. Have you tried this? It ain't that. What's wrong with you? That's you know? great. You're yeah. creating unity. You yeah, know? and that's what car Unifying. shows are. You can walk around and at a car show, and it, it's a, you have, you're comfortable enough to approach other people in, in an yeah, environment. Yeah, because you're all there for the same thing. Yeah, it's great at car shows. Yeah. And now it's great when I go because people come up to me, and I was like, oh, and I, and I get to tell stories, and, and I, can, I can see that kind of effect that I have on a smaller scale that Brent has on a larger scale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, the thing that I feel like I'm a part of it's, it's the, the Red Sox, Red Sox Nation. Mm. Everywhere I go, I see a bee on somebody's hat or a shirt, and you look them in the eye, and you're just like, we're brothers. We're brothers and sisters, whatever. We're all, we got a common bond, and we're Sox fans, and it's great. It's great. And you get, yeah, it's good. And you get drunk in the parking lot and beat up people with Yankee jerseys. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the, that's time. the fun part. Yeah, yeah I'm going to echo what Mark said, because for me, it's the Phillies, as you know. So mm-hmm. I'm a group of, oh, yeah. know, I'm, I'm part of a group of disgruntled Phillies fans right now. So, But that's where I go. Like, when everything else is shit in my life, please, can you just win a game for me and let me have that? Let me enjoy that. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, and uh, and and you don't get that either. <laughs> no, I don't. Not lately. I don't. I've noticed, not since two thousand eight. I'm sorry. I I notice a, a lot of like, especially men go to sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they. they I choose. go to the. I'm in an abusive relationship because I'm a Jets fan, so mm-hmm. I go there. Mm-hmm. And they can, and I'll, when you see other Jets fans, you look each other now and you're like, Yeah, I know. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. What are we doing? Yeah, okay. Why do we do this? No, I, I look at other guy. I said, You bought the lie too. I'll change. Take me back. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. What do you learn from watching football? They're always the underdog, so what I learned was to take the favorite and lay the points. <laughs> <laughs> smart. Smart. Yeah, very smart. 
I remember when I first saw Brent was on that special that Eddie Murphy uh, produced called What's Alan Watching? Um, because I was in an improv group with Rob Bartlett. He was on the show. We watched it. And the way he said he got the gig was he was just friends with Tommy Schlamy, who called up and said, he said, what time are you out of work? All right, get out of that. Get out of makeup. Come in and get my makeup. Eddie didn't show up. Shoot this scene. That's how it happens sometimes. Yeah. That last minute thing is something mm-hmm. I did to Phil. I was on a show uh, called The Job, and we had to do promos for it. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I was there writing the promos, and Dennis was going to come in and shoot these things. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. So I, I came up with this idea, and I called Phil. And I said, Phil, get in the car, get to the studio, bring a tie. Why? Just get here. And he did. <laughs> he ended up playing the uh, he ended up playing a network executive who was playing cards with Dennis. Uh-huh. And then uh, Dennis beats him, and he has to put on back-to-back episodes of The Job. Oh, that's, that's a good promo. Yeah. That was a great little promo. Yeah. I remember that. That was cool. And, and you were all nervous and sweating. You're like, I had no idea I'd be doing this today. I look puffy. <laughs> Why do you call me at the last minute? Grandma, help me. Yeah. Grandma. <laughs> and here's the difference between me and Leary. Like, Leary just walked in, like, with a minute to go until shooting. He, you know, he just wanted to get it over with. To me, I was shooting The Godfather. It was, like, yeah. everything to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> It was like a big deal to me. I though. remember watching it. I was sitting here, and, and Phil was like, mm, I can do that better. I go, oh, don't piss Dennis off. He'll throw us yeah. the boat the hell out yeah. of here. Yeah. What's my motivation? Stop don't it. piss him off. Just shut up. <laughs> Just say the line and let's get through this. <laughs> you know, it was the best, though, when it was all over. Dennis was like, that was a good job, Phil. You can put that on your reel. And you go, that is his reel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to thank Brent Spiner for being my guest. Uh, his series on Showtime is called Penny Dread. Uh, please check it out. He's a very talented man, and the cast is incredible. Nathan Lane is in it as well, uh, who's been on the show. I've loved your stand-up, and you're also <laughs> a, a terrific actor. Thank you, Nate. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. Yes, and please tell a friend the show is growing, and it's all because of you guys, and we greatly, greatly appreciate your help. If you get a minute, leave us a review. It helps us with our friend. Mr. Algorithm. And please remember, life is hard. Take it easy on yourself. Pot is ended. Go in peace. Let me ask you this. Phil, did you ever wear grandma's clothes? <laughs> oh, my God. That's a yes. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. 
Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.